welcome to the Your Success Personally podcast with your host, yours truly, Vanessa G, where we will talk about success as defined by you. Here, we don't look at the playbook of others to bring you down. Instead, we are going to cover topics that pertain to how you, as an individual, can reach your goals and potential. Don't look at others to define your success. You create it. Your rules, your way, and how you get there. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's go. Hi, and welcome back to the Your Success Personally podcast with your host, yours truly, Vanessa G. So, like I mentioned in my IG Live, it has been one year since the Your Success Personally podcast began, and I am so, so excited. You know, part of why I'm so excited about doing this podcast, even though I don't think it's quite at the standard that I want it to be yet, is because I stepped out of the box and I did something I wouldn't have traditionally done. And you know, that is what the Your Success Personally podcast is all about. It is about finding your success, your path, your success by your rules. So I am excited today uh, for this interview that you're going to hear in just a moment. I want to reflect on what it's been like uh, doing this podcast, but that will be in our next episode. For today, I'm so excited to have Tricia Bent Goodley. She is a graduate professor at the Howard University uh, School of Public Health and really so much more. And you'll get an opportunity today to hear what she has to say on topics that pertain to social work, that pertain to self-care and domestic violence, uh, things that she has studied, things that she has uh, contributed to as an author. She's just an awesome woman. So without further ado, here's the interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Your Success Personally podcast with your host, yours truly, Vanessa G. We are back with another profile in success. I am excited today. Um, so without further delay, I would like to introduce you to my guest, my sorority sister and dear friend, Dr. Tricia Bent Goodley, Professor Emeritus. Oh, I'm just giving you the long introduction right now. <laughs> professor Emeritus, School of Social Work and Graduate Professor, Public Health Program at the Graduate School of the illustrious Howard University licensed clinical social worker, researcher with 25 plus years of expertise in mental health and trauma-informed care. In addition to all of that, she is an author of several scholarly works on social work, uh, particularly addressing domestic violence and social work as a profession. So much, much more. But I want to get to you, Tricia. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be able to be here. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, listen, it is my pleasure. You know, you. I tell everyone that knows you that you have such a special place in my heart, and we both know why. So um, 
listen, here at the Your, Your Success Personally podcast, we talk about all things success. And oftentimes people have a limited view of what success is. So I'm happy that you did and had an opportunity to take time out of your very busy schedule to talk to us today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad that I could be here. Great. So please give the listeners in your own words, uh, the definition of a calling, then tell us about your calling to social work. Wow. Um, I don't know if I have a one word response or a one sentence response to my definition of a calling, but what I would say it feels like is, um, being drawn back to something, um, that, you know, sometimes we know exactly what it is that we want to do and it makes perfect sense to us. And sometimes we just keep finding ourselves being drawn to something. Um, that to me is a calling. And I would say that, uh, that really much describes what my career path has been like. I, uh, first started out wanting to become an accountant which no one would believe now. I don't believe um, it. <laughs> but I, I started in college with the idea that I wanted to become an accountant. And I said I wanted to become an accountant because at that time I just said, I love money and <laughs> I want to have a lot of it. And so I'm going to be an accountant, right? So I know how to manage and grow it. And I started my accounting classes, and no offense to accountants, you all are wonderful, wonderful <laughs> people. Uh, I just realized it wasn't for me. And so, um, as, as it were, I continued through college and kept trying to figure out what I wanted to do. The one thing that continued to be a theme for me was my love of working with people. And so, you know, and joining um, sorority and uh, you know, working with different organizations, I always found that I was drawn to working with people and helping people. It was just what I loved. But I didn't think about it as a calling or a career. Um, I decided to change my major from accounting to education, started student teaching at a local uh, high school there in uh, Jamaica, Queens, and was a history teacher you know was there um providing that support and the teacher eventually said to me one day you know you do a lot more talking with the students about their lives than actual teaching mm. and maybe you should think about that and yeah. that was really the first time i was drawn to my calling um i said well i don't know of any jobs that i could do where i just help people who right. gets paid to do that <laughs> and that's when um a sociology professor uh said to me have you ever thought about social work? And I said, I don't even know what that is. Um, and so long story short, once I became a social worker and moved into the path of social work, it was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. It was my calling. It was what I kept being drawn to, even when I was being pulled maybe in another direction that never really satisfied my thirst for what I wanted. And so I always say social work found me and I have loved it ever since. Wow, I, I love that you had such a, a, a beautiful story, you know, and not everyone can really kind of navigate or have people in their lives who would uh, be that person to kind of show us where or where we might be really good at, you know, so that is wonderful. 
So tell me, uh, who first taught you about success and, and what's your definition? Mm. Wow, that's probably going to be the hardest question that I answer today. I think for me, um, success is living in purpose. Mm. You know, success is when you are able to uh, be in a position where you're doing the thing that you that you know that you're called to do, that you know that you're meant to do, mm. that you know you're built for. Um, and that for me is what I get to do every day. Um, so I would say that's success. I think one thing I've learned over the years is success is not about how much money I'm making. Um, it really is about the fulfillment I get from being able to do what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I'm really fortunate in being able in a, being able to do that. Who taught me about success? Honestly, I'd have to say my mom. Um, and what makes that different is probably because she would argue that maybe, you know, she didn't get to have the same kind of career or work success that I did. But she taught me about success because of how she lived her life, you know, just being mm-hmm. somewhat really persistent. Yeah. You know, always showing me the value of working hard, of giving to others, of loving on other people, on making a contribution to the world. She was my example of what I think success really is all about. And so even though she didn't necessarily get to have the career that that she envisioned for herself, you know, because it was a different time and she was raising all of us, um, because of her and because of her spirit, you know, I feel like... I've had an opportunity to better understand what success really means. Yeah, and I think your mother definitely had uh, had the right knowledge because she really has produced some wonderful uh, young ladies. So, um, for sure, for sure. So, so tell me about your success story. So, we've known each other at least almost. We've known each other thirty years. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> 30 years, you know, um, but, you know, you have moved around in, in your path and I and I pretty much stayed here. You're no longer a New Yorker. So tell me about your success story, the journey. Okay, so first I have to tell you, I always consider myself to be a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> I may not sound like a New Yorker anymore, but I always consider myself to be a New Yorker. Um, I'm just a displaced New Yorker. Yeah. I, I, live, yeah, I live in Maryland. Um, you know, and again, I think each of the, the different faith walks that I've taken have been a part of my calling. So, okay. so uh, I'm going to make this long story really brief. But, um, you know, as a New Yorker, I, you know, I love New York and I never saw myself leaving New York um, at the time that I right before I came to Howard, was working uh, in the nonprofit world, loved doing that work in Queens at the community level, helping families who were impacted by violence, who needed help with mental health support. And so I saw myself never leaving. But my husband had a vision. Mm. And he really wanted to leave out of, out of New York and I guess saw other opportunities. I just couldn't see it. And so one day when he was talking, I said to him, I said, listen, if, if God wants me to leave New York, then he's going to have to create some amazing opportunity for me. And it can't be further than the state of uh, Maryland. Okay. And, and <laughs> about two months later, uh-huh. I went to a conference um, 
um, I was recruited by an incredible group of faculty who uh, have become and are my, my mentors um, from Howard. And they recruited me and, and gave me the opportunity to be able to come to Howard University and teach. Uh, and, and I wouldn't have to go past the state of Maryland. So I always say to people, when you know, be careful of what you throw out to God, because when when it's in His plan, um, things begin to move. And so, within a very short period of time, we moved down here uh, to to Maryland, and I began teaching at Howard and spent uh, 23 years there in the classroom, both as an educator, you know, teaching young people um, about social work, how to go out and practice and become social workers. Um, growing young people, loving on them, you know, whether they were undergraduate students I had a chance to work with, um, you know, or my own graduate students and doctoral students. So I spent a career there of really trying to get more uh, academics in the professorate who uh, both appreciated the black perspective and lived the black perspective. Mm -hmm. um, that for me has been an incredible passion and joy um, I've spent uh, time there creating a uh, domestic violence, sexual assault uh, prevention program. It's called the Interpersonal Violence Prevention Program, housing advocates at Howard University for uh, student survivors and others of interpersonal violence, built out that program. and. You know, that allowed me to tie in the passion that I have for eradicating domestic and sexual violence. Um, and then, you know, just being able to be there to uh, support students who will go out and actually provide mental health services and other kinds of supports to communities, not just uh, in this area, but across the world. And so that for me has been what I've been doing um, you know, at Howard uh, for for these last 23 years before I retired in July of last year. Uh, now I have the, the wonderful opportunity of working with professional athletes, uh, going back to my roots of mental health. Mm. And so I'm, I'm super excited about about being able to do that. That is simply amazing. And, you know, it's interesting, as you mentioned in your in your history, how you you didn't even know what social work was, you know, and you really once you had realized what your calling was and you sounds like you pursued it with passion. Yes. Yeah, I have. I pursued it with passion, but I have to be honest. You know, I also I try to be obedient to what God is telling me to do next, mm. um, even when it means taking a risk. And so I think on some level, um, you've got to be willing to take that calculated risk. You've got to be willing to step out on faith, um, even when sometimes, you know, you might have a little bit of fear, um, you know, just yeah. being able to say, I'm, I am in purpose. I know I am. And if this is where I'm being led, I'm going to I'm going to move with it. Absolutely. You know, and that faith piece really is huge, especially in times like these in terms of just trying to navigate life because life now, as we know it is so different than what it was before. So, oh, yeah. right. Tell me a little bit about that. You know, um, I want to first find out from you, your definition, what social work is for those who may not know, but also include in that, 
what it would take and, and what are social workers doing now, you know, especially as we are still in a pandemic? Yeah, so to me, what made social work uh, uh, the profession of choice for me, uh, I am someone who likes many different kinds of, of, um, of things. You know, I enjoy being able to help people clinically at the individual level. Mm-hmm. I enjoy being able to uh, engineer systems, you know, create programs and create service profiles and really begin to build bridges in communities and grow organizations. And I love policy Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to craft and create policies and protocols that will help communities be healthier and, and better. And so social work gave me the vehicle to do that. Um, social work is not just about being able to help somebody, an individual or a family. It's also about being able to develop programs, um, create as an entrepreneur new programming, mm. uh, being able to develop you know, new policies that better support people on the ground. And so that's what I loved about the social work profession is the diverse skill set that I would have. Uh, being able to practice. And and I've used each of those. You know, I've had a career that's allowed me to, you know, do each of those different areas of social work that I love so much. So it's never been boring. boring. (laughs) I've always been able to recreate myself, whether it's getting a grant that Right now I have a grant um, looking at domestic violence homicide prevention across the country, which has required a a wealth of social work skills uh, and being able to implement from policy to program development, but also understanding trauma and trauma-informed care, culturally specific care. Um, I've had an opportunity to uh, provide support to uh, policy initiatives, providing recommendations on policy that will impact communities whether that's around uh, domestic violence or sexual assault. So, you know, I've had an opportunity to take these elements of social work and uh, apply them. And so I think for me, that's what is so exciting about being a social worker. And that's been important during COVID. You know, we've seen increases in folks' need for mental health services during the pandemic. Um, We have seen numbers uh, uh, climb particularly for those who are experiencing depression or anxiety. Mm. And what I say is, is that for some people, if they had an underlying mental health issue uh, or one that was diagnosed, it's been exacerbated. And for those people who may never have had uh, a mental health challenge, they're finding they are challenged. And so it's been a busy time for mental health professionals, but an important time um, where we could really fill in the gap. And I think And I think we'll be doing that for years to come, you know, even when we quote unquote get back to normal, there'll still be a great need, whether it's for losses that people experienced, whether it's grieving that they're still experiencing, or whether it's the continued uh, mental health challenges that they're experiencing, trying to work through as a result of the pandemic. Wow. And I really appreciate that you were able to really, just by your own life, Um, talk about the different ways that people can, you know, if they chose to be a social worker, that that there's so much that can be done within the discipline. 
Um, and I think you did uh, author something about uh, social work um, or social entrepreneurship. So do you have a few minutes just to talk a little bit about that? Because I think that is so fascinating. Yeah, so I wrote an article uh, many, many years ago about social work entrepreneurship and um, was so blessed and fortunate a number of years ago to have another colleague reach out to me um, about that article and say, hey, let's let's write a book mm-hmm. on social entrepreneurship. And so, you know, for me, I tend to think in an entrepreneurial way. If it's not there, let's create it. But also let's do it for the greater good. Right. Um, that to me is what entrepreneurship is really about. And so this book on social entrepreneurship talks about what it means to, to be innovative, to be entrepreneurial, but to still be grounded in social work ethics while trying to impact the greater good, both here in this country as well as um, globally. And so there's such an important role and need for us to think in innovative and creative ways to solve some of the problems that folks are experiencing at the local level in their communities. Um, and, And I think social workers are pretty well grounded in being able to do that because of our abilities to understand what's happening for people at the individual level and what we see in in broader, bigger, larger communities. So um, the entrepreneurship book really provides, it's the first of its kind really, where you have social work centering social entrepreneurship in a book in this way. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not finished reading it, but you know, it definitely, I was like, wow, this is just a different way to look at this. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a mental health counselor and, you know, it's causing me to kind of look at, you know, what my role is and how it can even be expanded as well. Right. So that is very interesting. I thank you for that. So we're here in 2021, you know, as you look at your life here and now, you know, let's let's even just go back to when we first met 30 years ago. Do you, is it where you thought you'd be? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, definitely not. I, I thought I would still be in New York. I really would not. I didn't know exactly what I would be doing. To be honest, probably at that time, 30 years ago, I thought that I would be maybe doing something um within, uh, you know, like the secondary education system, you know, Mm. I I really did not see my life unfolding in this way, but I'm so grateful um, that when, you know, when God would tell me to pivot, I did. And when he said, don't do it because you're trying to make money. And I know that I keep saying that, but I think it's so important. I've never chased money. I've always really look towards what is my contribution? Am I supposed to be here? What can I offer? What can I leave behind for someone else? And I found that, you know, um, I've done well, I've been fine. And, and you know, um, being able to still support really my passion and my calling, mm-hmm. um, which is to help other people. Yeah. And, you know, that is key, you know, and I, I look at success myself and I see things, we all see things in uh, the media and we see uh, certain people with certain lifestyles, which I'm not saying is wrong, but I think that there just needs to be uh, another another lens into that, you know, and what is successful. And, you know, I think people, because sometimes they, you know, we all think about money, right? But 
they be, allow themselves to become short-sighted uh, where they could have a gifting like you have discovered for yourself uh, that really could be used for the benefit of the whole. And you know, when you look at and at success and you do what you do with a mindset of the whole, you know, the benefits do come. Absolutely. I, I think that that's, I mean, I, I agree with that completely. And I, I found that, you know, to be successful is one, I think, to be able to to see that bigger vision for yourself. You know, I am at a point in my life now where I, I am beginning to think more about, you know, well, what, what are the contributions that I'm going to leave behind? You know, and, and so I think about that a little bit more now than I did years ago. Right. I will say, you know, part of success is sacrifice. Mm. Um, you know, part of success is hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, have worked and continue to work really, really hard. And uh, I try to balance it with the things that, you know, you need to do to maintain taking care of yourself. I'm a mother of two sons. I'm a wife. Um, those are the three, you know, most important priorities that I have, my, my husband and my boys, right. and my young men, I should say. Um, and so, you know, building out a career, I had to think about how do I center my family, you know, um, as priority as I am trying to build out this career and be successful. And, and so the thing I would share is one of the things that I've always said to myself is, you know, at some point in my life, you know, I'm going to look back. I don't want to have regrets with my relationships with my children, with my relationships with my friends and my family. I don't want to have those regrets. I I can live with maybe not hitting my highest star. Mm. Um, but I can't live with, you know, my children saying, you know, that I wasn't there to support them when they needed me the most. And so so I made some some sacrifices of what it may it seemed to me then that they were sacrifices um, in the sense of maybe going to the next level of career. But what I found was, interestingly, my children also helped me be more balanced. Hmm. So they weren't necessarily sacrifices. I thought they were. Right. What they really ended up doing was helping me really stay more on course with where I was supposed to be. So I just challenge people. You know, sometimes we think, I think especially as working mothers, you know, you feel like you're missing certain things or you're not engaged in certain things. And maybe you're not. But, you know, that might be um, you still being on your path, even though you think you're not. <laughs> so you mm -hmm. got to give yourself some grace um, and you got to have some priorities about what matters to you. My success and career wouldn't be as important if I didn't have the love and the support of my family. Um, and so that for me has always been a priority. Yeah. So you have mentioned, you know, as we talked about, your success story, how you've arrived where you are. You mentioned vision, you mentioned uh, priorities. Uh, what about goal setting? I did a lot of goal setting um, in my academic career. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to be at my highest rank. I knew that 
I wanted to be able to make a contribution in the research and the writing because, you know, at that time there were so few black women who were full professors, who were getting grants, who were writing uh, significantly, you know, writing a lot in the Mm -hmm. academic literature. And so for me, that was a goal. I really wanted to be able to meet that mark. And I wanted to be able to help others do it too. Um, So that for me was a goal. And uh, I'm very fortunate that I reached each of those goals. I'll share another quick story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I first came to Howard and I started writing academically, and I, I'd always been a pretty good writer, and all of my articles were just, they were rejected. Wow. Um, they were, I just kept getting rejection after rejection. And at one point, I, I got a letter and it was brutal. It was, an, it was a really tough letter. Someone, you know, the journal editor had written back and it, mm-hmm. it was just very nasty letter. And I took it to my mentor, down the hallway to my mentor at that time, Dr. Lawrence Gary, who was an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, uh, academician and, and, and thought leader. And I went to him with this letter and I told him how I was going to leave and go back into practice because I clearly was not built for the academic world. And, and he said to me, are you finished? I said, yes, I am. Mm. And he said, okay. And he opened up a draw and gave me a, a big folder. I said, what is this? And he said, open it. And it was letters of rejection he had gotten. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you're gonna be successful, you have got to be able to take these letters and move forward. You know, right. you've gotta be able to deal with rejection. You know, you've gotta be able to manage it. It's not about you. What do you need to do to get this right? And I thought long and hard about what he said. And I went home and my husband and I were talking about it. And he said, anytime I've seen you be successful with something, you always had a plan. I said, you're absolutely right. So I developed a plan. I started working the plan. And before you knew it, my articles were being accepted. My grants were being accepted. My career started to move forward. It wouldn't have happened without the rejection. It wouldn't have happened um, without having heard no and me having to battle back Right. Um, and just continue to work through that and grow and learn. So, you know, I think for me, that's why sometimes I look at my career and I'm surprised because uh, people now, they say to me, well, I know you didn't have those experiences. And I tell them I absolutely did. And it's because of those experiences, um, you know, that I value, you know, I value what it is you're going through and the need for you to push through and battle through and overcome to get to where you're trying to be. Wow. And, you know, it's the part that we really don't like to talk about because none of us wants to be rejected. And yet, (laughs) (laughs) and yet, you know, as we endeavor to do uh, what we hope to do, uh, as we endeavor to try to even get uh, validity, because that's the way you get it, right, as an academic, and mm-hmm. and to have that but you know how great how great is it to have uh, someone to mentor you if that's even at all possible in in your in your career oh yes mentorship for me is so key and that's why i've tried to do that freely with those who i've mentored to be a support to them because i've had great mentorship 
Dr. Gary, who was down the hall from me, Gladys Walton Hall, Dr. Gladys Walton Hall, another faculty colleague at Howard who was right down the hall, Professor Cragen. I mean, just I had wonderful, wonderful supports in that building, but I also had um, one of my sorority sisters, Dr. Iris Carl Linnae, who was at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She met me as a student and uh, stayed with me, right? I always say she she knew me when I was just, you know, right. really in a place where I had no sense of the rules and the process. <laughs> and she just, she just believed in me and saw something in me and stayed with me. And even now, you know, she continues to be a source of, of real um, support for me and guidance. And so, so yes, mentoring is important. And I say to, to, to young people now, be open to mentorship. It may not always look the way you think it's supposed to look, but be open to it. Be open to different types of mentoring. Sometimes we need people to mentor us in particular seasons in our life. Be open to it. Be open to receive what someone is giving to you. And, uh, and know that it may not always look exactly the way that you thought it was supposed to look. Indeed. So last question, what's, what's new with you now? Any new works that we could be reading right about now? So I do have a new book proposal in uh, with a, a publisher and hoping in the next couple of months to be affirmed to move forward with this. This book will look at different forms of interpersonal violence and it will really focus on how we can be responsive. So it will look at the integration or the intersections of domestic violence, sexual assault, and sex trafficking specifically, and really coming up with solutions at the intersections for those who are most vulnerable and those who we don't consider as always to be to be vulnerable to these issues. So I'm 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 diligently working on that. I'm hoping to continue to get some writing out from my domestic violence homicide prevention uh, project that that myself and my team have been working on for the last few years. Um, and my my primary prime uh, my primary focus right now is serving as the mental health clinician uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, which is uh, my full time position where I spend my full time presence. And so I, I absolutely love that um, you know God has placed me in a space to be able to to just continue to be supportive to people as they move along in their journey in life. Well, Dr. Tricia Bent Goodley, I'm so happy that you agreed to join us today. This has been uh, an informative interview and it's just been great to be able to catch up with you on this. And I wish you so much love and wellness. Uh, and we'll look forward to that book when it drops. <laughs> and thank you. I appreciate the work that you're doing and helping others to think about how we grow and rethink what success looks like. I mean, this is such an important conversation to have, and I congratulate you on it and thank you for taking us along this journey. Absolutely. Thank you. So we have come to the end of our time today. I hope our discussion was helpful to you. I wish you positive vibes and encourage you to do you as you climb the ladder of success. If you are feeling this episode, please decide to subscribe 
and join the success journey. For more encouragement along the way, follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Your Success Personally. And continue to listen wherever podcasts can be found. And remember, your success by your rules. Bye-bye.